listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. How to end your marriage in divorce. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to give you six steps on how to do it. How to do it. No, we are. Actually, um, the Today Show Show reported this on their, I guess it would be their blog. I'm sure it was from show content. But... The, uh, the Today Show reported these are the top six reasons in the United States listed on uh, divorce papers and documents. Uh, we're going to cover those today and what the Word of God says and how to protect yourself from all the six. Joseph McRae is asking, are you guys coming to Canada anytime soon? We've got our ear to the ground. If we're they waiting. don't trap you, we'll come. If, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm supposed to be in Canada in? November. In November. In the, in the Toronto area. But I'm not going if they're going to make me quarantine for 14 days. Just not going. So, because so, I won't even be able to do the meeting. Everyone needs to get their act together. So if the borders <laughs> don't open up fully and freely, I'm just, I'm, it's not going to happen. We'll but wait. if they do, I am scheduled to be there in November. All the stuff is on uh, MiracleWord.com. You can check the schedule page. But... <laughs> Sorry, I read the windows. What'd she say? I'm going to spit it out. <laughs> Mary said, there, here's a way. Marry an unbeliever who's a pervert. That's a way. That's a good way, Wanda. Don't blow the shofar on that one. Um, Norman. Norman knows what I'm talking about. He's in New Brunswick. So we're going to jump into that today. Take a minute, share this broadcast. It's very important because, sadly, if you look at the statistics... In the world, I think you've got now close to 50% of marriages uh, ending in divorce. In the church, it's a little bit less than that, but it's still, I think the last time I looked at the statistic, it was mid-30s. So, you know, three out of every 10 marriages in the church are ending in divorce. So it's sad that, you know, you would expect that maybe from the world. But do you expect that from the church? You shouldn't. Obviously, you shouldn't expect that from the church, from believers. But they're telling us, I think it's like 35 to 38 percent. And I may be wrong on that, but we did this uh, study before. 35 to 38 percent of marriages in the body of Christ are ending in divorce. So obviously, if that's the case, and we know that that's not God's desire. You know, the Bible says what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so uh, one of the things we have to be aware of is, is God will help and heal. Here, here's what blows my mind. If we know God can heal cancer, he can raise the dead, he can open blind eyes. You don't think he can heal your marriage? Of course he can. Yep. Of course he can. And we've talked about that before. Isn't it funny how people will stand for a miracle in their body in their finances, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, they They look at marriage as something different, right? They act like you come back to the both of us. Um, this child is a blessing to the both of us. Um, 
That's all I think about now when we say that. I said that. that to Sean yesterday. I was like, I can't even say that but phrase. But we say it all the time now in the house <laughs> when we say something The both like of that. us. This I, child is a blessing to the both of us. I just will yell that at the house. Um, but we've seen that. Like, people will stand for a miracle. They're battling cancer. They're battling something in their body that's taken them out. They'll stand and believe and believe. They know God can do it. They believe that he will do it. And it's, it's serious. It's life-threatening. But... You come to something like a marriage and something happens and they're just ready to give it up. Right. So, so easy. To God can, up. God can heal that just as much as he can heal cancer Absolutely. or deliver you from drugs. You know, there's people that have been delivered from serious drug addiction. I mean like serious drug addiction and, uh, not only delivered completely turn around body, even healed from the effects of drugs. And there's people that don't believe God will heal their marriage. Of course he'll heal your marriage. Well, unity is a, is a number one threat to the enemy. Yep. So marriage a great point. is such a uh, power when the two come together that the devil wants it destroyed yep. without, you know, with no restraint at all. Not that he ever has any, but, you know, it's like coming after hardcore marriages because if that's down pat, then when children are involved, you know, come into the picture there's just more strength, more power, and that's exactly how the Lord wants the family uh, tree to look like, how it's supposed to be. Yep. Two parents in unity, in joy and love and peace, and then the kids come right up behind it. Like that whole family unit right there, the devil despises. Hates it. So bad. But, yeah. but the unity part is one of the number one things the enemy wants to take out. Unity is all throughout the Bible on how it's so full of strength when yeah, you're in unity. Exactly. So when a he, threefold cord is not easily it's broken, broken all through you know, it. it goes through the whole word. So when that can be broken, that is such a rejoicing moment for the devil. It's like the book of Psalms. The psalmist wrote how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. One of the, here, here should be your biggest, um, this should be one of your biggest signs, right? about the power of unity. When the pagans in the book of Genesis came from the east across the plains of Shinar and began to build the Tower of Babel, they were in such unity building the Tower of Babel right. that God said, if I don't go down there and confuse their languages. So what did God do? And I wrote about this in Further Faster. God will use division against your enemy. Because God knows how powerful unity is. Right. And what did God do? He went down amongst them and confused their languages so that there couldn't be unity amongst the builders. He actually used division to stop their evil purpose and evil unity. Because he knows. What did he say? Because they, are, uh, they have such unity and, and they have set their hearts, there's nothing they won't be able to accomplish. That's literally the word of God. If we have unity... If we come together and unify, there's nothing that we cannot do and cannot accomplish. You can see unity there from the beginning in Genesis when, when God made man. There was unity. And then when there wasn't unity, there was a curse that was brought on mm -hmm. to the world. And so when that can be broken, there will be chaos. There will be destruction. There will be heartbreak. And none of that is meant for us as believers no. to experience. God doesn't and plan that And this world for you. makes it so easy 
to like, you know, run from everything. There's just a way, it's just a way, you know, it's just people don't want to work at anything because nobody wants to work (laughs) in general. And then a marriage takes work and it takes work your entire life. And pride creeps in. Absolutely. And so, you know, you have to, everything is worth fighting for and your marriage is one of them because it, to me, it's at the head of a family unit. And if that's destroyed, the rest of it, you know, is really hard. Yeah. Well, you, you think about it. It's, it's a picture of God's covenant, right? It's a picture of God's covenant. You know, in fact, Paul uses the marriage relationship to actually teach the body of Christ about the church's relationship to Jesus. If you look in Ephesians, the Bible says uh, husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wives should submit themselves to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. He uses the relationship of Christians in Christ to give an analogy of husbands and wives, because that's what we are. We're the bride of Christ. He is the the husband. He's the groom. We're the bride. And so in the same way, that's how we view and understand the marriage covenant. And that's why it's so important. We are a picture. We are a representation of what we should be with Christ. And so that's why the devil wants to break it up and destroy it. Uh, that's why the devil from the very beginning wanted to bring division in the garden between Adam and Eve and you sin. And so there is, I'll tell you, when you talk about the fact, the Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Think about that in your marriage. What are the three cords? Your husband, wife, and then Christ. Those three wrapped together, husband, wife, and Christ, or the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That three united together brings strength in a relationship. And notice it's husband and wife submitted to Christ and submitted to his word that brings strength in that marriage. And so we're going to cover six things today from uh, that, that are actually listed. Now, I, <clears throat> I could put this in the not that anybody cares. I could put this article from the Today Show, uh, the link to it, which maybe we'll do in the uh, description of the podcast. But they're listing what are now considered to be uh, the top six reasons, uh, which, by the way, vary by state uh, for divorce listed on the papers. And so we're going to go right through them and we're going to actually show you from the word of God how you can combat the most common tools or weapons that the enemy uses to destroy your relationship. Now you put people watching me say like, well, <clears throat> I'm not even married. I'm single. Yeah. You need to take notes. This is per, you need to know this before you go into a, a, a marriage. People say, well, I'm divorced already. And by the way, we're not doing this broadcast to condemn anybody who's been divorced. That's not the purpose of this broadcast. We're not here to condemn you or tell you that you're a failure, that you've made a mistake. That's not what this broadcast is about. This broadcast is to show you from the word of God, how you can keep yourself in a place of protection from what the enemy wants to do to your relationship, 
to your marriage. So we're going to give you these six things. Take a minute to share it if you haven't done so already. Write them down, put them in the comments, and then we'll go through and go through the word of God and show you how you can actually combat the devil's plan to destroy you. And so um, let's, let's just jump right in. So we have, we have six that we're going to show you. Uh, pop them in the comments as we list them. And then, uh, and we'll cover them. But so number one, <clears throat> according to this article, they're working with a marriage counselor through this and things that they've seen and what they've seen listed. The number one thing they list, and these are in no particular order. It's not one is number one and six, the no particular order. But number one that they had on the uh, article was infidelity, infidelity. Also, by the way, according to scripture, I want to make this um, plain at the very beginning. According to scripture, this is actually the only real reason that you could be divorced in the eyes of God. Not that you have to be, but that you could be in the eyes of God is, is unfaithfulness according to scripture. Um, everything else can be worked out. And of course, if you're in a position where you're being physically abused by your husband or by your wife, there's some crazy, listen, I grew up in West Virginia. I saw the moms sitting at the baseball games that were ready to beat up coaches that were men because they didn't put their son in the game. I have seen those West Virginia redneck moms. I know who I'm talking about. Uh, slapping dudes around at a game. So if there's a wife abusing you, husband, husband, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. She may pull the cast, cast iron out on you. Um, but if you're being physically abused, obviously we're not telling you to stay in that house and try to work it out. Seek protection uh, seek shelter. You don't have to get divorced. You can still pray, but get out of there, find protection, obviously use wisdom. But according to scripture in the eyes of God, this is really the only reason for a, a divorce in his eyes as, as according to scripture unfaithfulness. But of course this is listed on, on the, uh, this is listed on the, on the papers across the country as one of the top six reasons that couples get divorced. What does the Bible say? Uh, in first Corinthians five, what did I start with? I know I had 15. I'll start at 15. First Corinthians six, 15, um, six, 20? 15. Yeah. Um, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her for the scripture says the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you, bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Look at that. Now stop right there and understand. I, mentioned, I actually referenced this on the broadcast yesterday when we were talking about the fact that your body is the temple of the Holy ghost. And I was actually referencing this passage from first Corinthians where I said that, you know, Paul speaks from God to the church and says, don't you recognize that this, every other, uh, sin is not the same because the Bible says in this one is a actual sin against your own body. Think about that. It's the only sin that's a sin against your own body. And so according to the apostle Paul, he takes very seriously. And obviously the Holy spirit does the fact that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the reference on that was 1 Corinthians chapter 6, six 15 through 20. 15 through 20. 
1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. And so um, understand this. Paul's actually telling them because of the fact that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, lives in you, dwells in you, that when you commit those sins, sins against your own body, sins against your own temple. He actually asks them. Now, why, why would he ask them that? First of all, there were people, obviously, that were still visiting prostitutes. But the other thing, too, that you have to understand, even in Ephesus, places like that, uh, they actually had a goddess whom that was how you worshipped that goddess. And there were actually uh, priestesses of that temple that you would go in and sleep with as the way to worship that goddess. And so when he's talking about idols and he's talking about this pattern that the unbelieving, the pagans had, this is what he's talking about. Why would you join the temple of God to an idol? That's the point he's making there. Why would you join the temple of God to an idol? And obviously that's idolatry. You're worshiping that false goddess and all that. Paul's referencing that. And he's saying, why would you ever, and he's trying to get them to see it in their mind and in their spirit. What you're truly doing is joining the temple of God with an idol. Why would you do that? And so he's explaining that and going deeper with it. Look at this. We're in Proverbs now. Proverbs uh, chapter five. And this is verses, what, 15 through 17. Uh, The Bible says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. (laughs) Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. If that's what a doe does. What does a doe do? (laughs) I I was running through the meadow. (laughs) I think that might be true. I don't know. Or a bunny? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what that was. But understand what it's saying there. Now, let's let's say this. Now, obviously, this is one of the top reasons. It's not top six that that, uh, marriages end in divorce. However, let me say this also. I have seen um, marriages where this happened And it did not end in divorce. And in fact, they were able with uh, leadership of their pastor, other spiritual leaders to actually, by faith, be healed and stay together. So what what we're trying to teach you is those though these are the top reasons that spark divorce. What we're also trying to show you is they don't have to be the end of your relationship with your husband or with your wife. And that God is a healer. Here's what we need to understand because there's people that feel hopeless. Here's, here's what really bothers me. There are Christians who feel hopeless. You know, we've had people write in and they'll say, you know, would you pray? I feel like all is lost in my marriage. I've actually read those. They come in on the text. They come in through the website. They come in through direct messages. Would you pray for my husband and I, I feel all is lost and I feel like nothing's going to change. I feel like he doesn't love me. She doesn't love me. The marriage is over. And do you know God healed the marriage and brought it back together? I'm thinking of one in particular. Do you remember this? There was friends we had that were, I don't want to say, I don't want to reveal anybody's identity. No, I know. It was just funny the way you said it. You you know who I'm talking about? There were were friends we had and they've they've moved now. They've now moved. But it didn't look like, it didn't look like it was going to work out at all. The husband was pretty much like, I'm done with you. And he was like openly sleeping with other girls. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And basically just saying like, well, I'm done with you. 
And the wife, and I thank God for her, um, did not leave him. Remember? She didn't leave him. She prayed for him, stood with him. Carolyn spoke with her and, and uh, encouraged her. And she didn't up and leave him. And he was, I mean, like when I say he was done, he was done, wasn't he? I mean, he oh, was like, I don't said, care if you know. Said he was done. Like, yeah. Not only said he was done. He said like, I don't care if you know where I'm going. I don't care if you know what yeah, I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm out. I'm out going to see girls. I don't care if you know or not. And that's what he was doing. And we love both of them. And, and basically she stayed and said, listen, I'm not leaving him. They had kids. I'm not leaving him. I'm staying with him. I'm going to pray for him and prayed for him. And do you know, God, That's not easy. No. And God restored it, didn't he? Yes. And they moved together and now they're, uh, now he's faithful to her. She's faithful to him. They live in another area. I'm, that makes me happy. That makes me happy because here's, here's people that could have easily ended in destruction. Easily could have. Easily. Easily could have. But I thank God. That's a huge testimony. That is a massive testimony. And my, my hat goes off to her for being a woman of faith and faithfulness that said, you know what? I believe God can do this. Like think of the courage and think about the uh, faith that it took. Even when he's saying to her face, this is over. I don't care about you. I'm leaving. I, I don't care if you even know where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. And you know, obviously that's heartbreaking. My hat off to her for saying, you know what? I, I believe God. I have faith that God can heal this, that my children don't have to grow up fatherless. That, and, and literally, by faith and the power of God, res- restoration. Because she knew that God brought them together. It mm-hmm. wasn't like she second-guessed it and thought, you know, well, maybe I did make the wrong decision. You know, there was red flags. Like, knew that God joined them together, but the enemy was ex- seriously trying to take them out yeah and so she knew to stand her ground but like we talked yesterday with self-control and staying more in the spirit than in the flesh and not putting your flesh over when it says i want to give up i want to move on i'm not doing this you know he did this i have every right to leave she could have used that and scripturally she did have that's what i'm I'm saying she could have said hey listen the bible you know has given me a way out of this but she knew nope I have, I'm big enough to see down the line the vision of what uh, marriage and having dad around and us keeping it together looks like. Yeah. And I'd rather stick around in faith and believe and pray because just like you said at the beginning, why is it any different for her to pray for restoration of her marriage and for her husband to come together and for the Holy Because he knew better. He oh, knew yeah. better. Yep, he'd been in church. Yeah, yeah. So he, the Holy he Ghost. knew better. It wasn't like he was right in the line or or she married like someone unsaved and he got no. saved. You know, he knew better. So her prayer was, you know, Holy Spirit, get a hold of him. Yep. Shake him back to what he knows and what seeds have been deposited into right. him and bring that back to life. And so her prayers watered that seeds that have been planted in him his whole life by being in the ministry and being, you know, part part of God. I mean, he he knew better. He's, of course, he's yeah. been saved. For sure. And so she was able to let that spirit take over and, 
you know, cover her feelings. The Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit will cover your feelings. He'll cover that hurt. He'll he'll make it right. And so she stuck it out and I couldn't be happier because it's like the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Mm -hmm. You know, let the weak say I am strong. She was in moments of weakness without question. If anything will weaken you, that'll weaken you. If anything will stress you out, that'll stress you out. But let the weak say, I am strong. I'm looking at these testimonies popping in the comments. Glenn and Denise knew a couple. They were done. Divorce papers signed. They were ready to give it up. And God healed it. They've been together 10 years faithfully since that incident happened. Others saying, that was, that was the story of my marriage and my husband. And God healed us. And we're still together. God's a healer. That's phenomenal. That He's a restorer. Stuck it out. And, that, and, and the devil, the plots and plans of the devil do not have to take you out. Don't have to take you out. And, uh, and that's what we're showing you from the word of God today. There's healing, there's restoration. And, and think about this, that also makes a big difference. One of the most demonic things that's happening right now in America is the devil trying to break up the home. You know, with, with all these organizations, uh, you know, they, they've even said, even, even Black Lives Matter has publicly said that one of their goals is to break up the nuclear family. To, you know, they don't need the man in the home, the whatever. That's demonic. That's what the devil does. And so one of the things that happens because of this is that then couples separate, like this couple had children, the couples, you know, dad's gone or mom's gone. And now the children are having to be raised in a home that, that in a way God never intended. So now you're either missing a father or now you're missing a mother in a home and it's detri- it's hugely detrimental to the children being raised up. Doesn't mean that God can't use them, doesn't mean that they won't do well in life, but it's not God's plan or his intent and it's destructive to even the children and really what happens is it affects everything and that's the devil's plan. Destroy the family, destroy the people of God, destroy the next generation. And that's that's what ends up happening. And so you can see this Look at this. Mary said the devil uses depression so often to divide. That's true also. And that's, you know, sometimes people, they blame it on say, well, you know, I, I was, you know, I wasn't, I was just, you know, not satisfied or I wasn't uh, this or I was, you know, she was mean to me. He was mean to me. He didn't make me feel wanted. He didn't make me feel pretty, you know, whatever that might be. But then it causes division is, is what we're talking about. So you, under, you understand this. According now, this is the world. This isn't some Christian source that we're referencing. This is from the Today Show. So we're talking about uh, secular people, you know, people that aren't saved that are giving these statistics and showing. But again, it's crept out of the world and into the church. Important to understand that. Maybe one in two marriages end in divorce uh, in the world, but you know, close to closer now. I think it's thirty-five to thirty-eight percent. Three out of ten are ending in divorce in the church. So it's very interesting. Um, Karen asks, scroll back up for a second. What do you tell someone if they ask you, is divorce forgivable? Yeah, divorce, by the way, is not the unpardonable sin. Yeah, but being a, as a believer, we're required to walk in forgiveness towards all areas. It's not like we don't forgive because of divorce or we don't forgive because, you know, somebody hurt somebody. I think she's specifically asking, well, are you, will God forgive you for, because you know, the Bible says that if someone, Jesus spoke about it, if you are divorced and you marry someone who, who has already been married or whatever, or 
whatever, you're, you're causing that person to commit adultery or you're committing adultery. And then Paul dealt with it in 1 Corinthians 7. So one of the things, and I, I appreciate this, that Brother Hagin put in his book on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, is that divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin. There's no sin that cannot be forgiven by Christ. No sin. And it's only the blasphemy, which people always ask me, I think, I, I think I've gone beyond, I've committed the unpardonable sin. If you're still being convicted of sin, you've not committed the unpardonable sin. If you're still feeling the Holy Spirit tug at your heart and pull you back onto the right place, God's not let you go or, or turned you over uh, because you've committed the unpardonable sin. People that leave and aren't coming back won't feel anything's wrong with their life. They'll feel no conviction. They'll feel like there is no issue. Hebrews deals with that. But I like that he dealt with that because there were people that were really, really condemned that felt like I'll never be forgiven for this. This will actually, I'm going to hell now. I'm going to hell and that's the end of the story. There is no sin other than the one I listed that's unforgivable. And divorce is not the unpardonable sin according to scripture. So if you ask, can you be forgiven? Of course you can be forgiven. Of course you can be forgiven. So it's important to understand that. But um, I think the thing people's mind needs to be on is this. Always look to God's providing or provision power versus looking to the judgment of God. I always encourage people about that because although we know God, um, although we know God expects a standard of us, always remember God's nature. The nature is this. Oh, Randall Kerr's got a, a question. Okay, so please help me here. So it says Romans 6 3 that the wage of sin is death, die to sin. Romans 7 3, it says if a husband dies, the woman is free to doesn't commit uh, doesn't commit adultery. So then if his sin is death and sin is free from moment of physical death, verifies not an answer. I'm just reading fast. Man's I know, death it of just sin. Like a rap song. Okay. Yes, um to give to give him a, a, an answer on that. His question is Romans is saying that uh if a man dies and his his wife remarries. It's not talking about spiritual death. It's talking about his physical death, right? And you are correct. It is speaking about his physical death. Um, because in fact, if you look at Paul's other instructions to Christians, they say, if you, if you're, if one of you in the marriage gets saved, let's say the wife gets saved, but the husband's still unsaved or the husband gets saved and the wife is still unsaved. Paul says, don't leave your husband or wife because you're saved now and they're not, but stay with them. And believe God for their salvation. But then it says, if that unsaved spouse decides to go, then, then Paul said, let them go. But don't you be the one to try to pull a marriage apart because you got saved and they're still a sinner. I know so many testimonies of, of a spouse that got saved first and then their sp other spouse got saved later, but they were believing. Smith Wigglesworth would be a, um, a perfect example of that. His wife got saved first, Polly, and then she's the one that actually was the um, picture of salvation, and, and then he was saved. So that's what Paul's saying. It's not about if one of you saved and one's de dead in sin. No, it means if the person dies in real life, like physically dies, and then goes on uh, to eternity, that woman is then free. Same with the other way around. Let's go to the next one. I know time is like, we're at like 11, 15 already. Um, number two, this is huge. And I know this is one of the top reasons 
is people are divorced because of money problems, stress from finances. That's huge. You know, there's a lot of fights. Let me ask you a question. If you're watching and you're married, put a hand up in the comments if you've ever had a fight with your spouse over finances. <laughs> Throw a hand up if you're not too ashamed that you've had a fight with your spouse over finances. And I'm sure every single person has. I'm sure every single person has. Money problems, fighting over money problems. It's the reason people get divorced. Issues. Issues over money. Why'd you use that card? I told you not to use the red card. I told you to use the blue card. We're paying off the red card. Why would you use the red card? You know, people freak out. And there's not enough money. And that makes life hard. Then the peace is stolen. Stress comes in. Anxiety comes in. We're in too much debt. We're never going to get out. It feels like a weight on your, uh, makes a, it's a weight on your marriage. It's a weight on your family. Why do you think God wants you to live in abundance? Why do you think God wants you to live in the more than enough? Of course he does. Of course he does. And so money problems. One of the most massive reasons couples end their marriages in divorce. Without question. I, I don't know if you had any verses for this one, but when I was thinking about it, I was thinking of division in, in Amos 3.3. 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? It's a great place and to start. And I always think of that verse for so many things, especially in a marriage, because you have to, you have lots of different topics in a marriage to agree on. And so with giving and anything, buying things, yep. you know, there's lots of times where it's important that we hear our spouse out and, um, you know, figure out, well, maybe, the, you know, if Ted says something like, you know, I don't, I don't like, I want something not like, you know, this big shopping spree. I just mean like, if we talk about something and he says, you know, I don't feel it at the time, it would be wrong for me to go and do it outside of his instruction. And a lot of times marriages that happens is nobody asks anybody anything or even the Holy Spirit and they just go and do this spend it here. You know, even when it comes to giving, you know, we are in such unity when it comes to even giving to the Lord that a lot of times, you know, we're not even in church together because it's he's true. usually... There were years I was up on the platform on the keyboard as a music director and she's down in the seat during the offering and we both would feel from the Holy Spirit and we'd have the same number come to our spirit. And that's why it's always important to have that unity together because he'd say, well, I felt to do this. And I'll be like, well, yeah, there, I wrote, I wrote a check for that. And then, and it would be lots of times the same number, exact same. But, but we've come to this point where we trust each other so much with our giving. We really don't even ask anymore. Mm -mm. He'll say, I'm giving this to so-and-so or, you know, how do you feel? I'm going to do this, but you know, we're, we're on, we're on the same page. Because if but, we feel to give, you know, that's the Holy Ghost. And we have the revelation of what giving does to us that, you know, and for us that we're at that point where we know whether we understand it or not, because we still, you know, feel your flesh. It's not like I walk around all spiritual all day long. So there's times where he says, I feel to do this. And I'm like, okay, okay. Just let me catch up to your speed for a second. But I'll always go with it because I want to make sure that we're agreeing in the same direction. We can't go separate ways and make things work. No, that's such a great place to start, Amos 3.3, because that really is the basis of 
all of this when it comes, especially when it comes to finances, because as my wife said, what if you and your husband don't agree on tithing? You want to tithe. He doesn't want to tithe. Maybe he's not even saved. I'm not giving 10% of my hard earned money to that church. You're not going down there writing a check for 10% of my money to that church. You got a problem now. You got a problem because, and I, and I love this because we've had wives that have told us, you know, I'm actually, my husband's not even saved, but he, he doesn't mind that I tithe. He, he says it's fine with him. If I want to give 10% of our money to the church, man, I mean, think about that. You got a sinner who's willing to tithe when some Christians aren't willing to tithe, but why the unity is so important is because everything you do for the Lord financially, especially is going to take that agreement, but not, but go beyond that. We're going to agree to tithe. We're going to agree to be givers, to be large, generous givers, but go on top of that. We're going to agree to bless the poor, but we're going to agree to bless other people, but then go beyond that. We're going to agree. Now here's where it gets important. If we're talking about this, because even areas of financial responsibility, right? You have to set goals in life. So if you're in debt, you have to set goals to get out of debt. The biggest problems, that's why I'm, I'm so thankful for Carolyn because she, obviously she operates in wisdom and is wise, but I hear, I hear all the time. So I saw somebody put in the comments, uh, Dave Ramsey is a big help. Very true. Very true. But I've listened to his program before. Many of you probably have too. I've listened to Dave Ramsey's program where he'll have people call in and say, well, I, I'm really on board with getting out of debt and everything, but I, I'm making all these plans to get out of debt. My wife keeps going out and spending money or my husband keeps going out and spending money and he keeps buying all this stuff and we're supposed to be budgeting. We're supposed to be putting the, the lion's share towards getting out of debt and he's just not on board. She's just not on board. Well, now you see the power of unity because how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You see what I mean? You're destroying your own goal setting by not being in unity. And one of the things, not just with tithing, giving and blessing others and the blessing the poor, what about financial responsibilities? What about what we're doing next financially? What about getting out of debt? What about saving for your children's college? What about paying off your home? What about making sure that you have extra and doing what's responsible and right? What about what we mentioned yesterday where the Bible says a fool spends all that he has. What about being person that's not a spendthrift? What about all these things? Well, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? I could set it up in my heart where I said, you know what? I'm not going to be one of those people that spends everything that comes in. But my wife isn't. She's like, no, I'm going to spend it. I'll spend mine and yours. So now I'm just, the whole thing's destroyed because the goal's never going to be met because there's not agreement in the marriage, in the relationship. Well, that's going to tick me off. Because my whole goal is this. I want to be debt free. I want to do this. My wife's goal or flip flop it, you know, could be wife is the one that wants to be debt free. Husband keeps spending. And you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to go buy the things I want right now. I want to have what I want. You've got division. Now you got one that's ticked off and one that's irritated. You won't let them buy. And what do you have? You have division in a marriage and there had all kinds of marriages coming to an end because of financial stress. So somebody won't stop spending. So there's always credit card debt. You, you won't yeah. put anything towards student loan debt, whatever. There's all kinds of problems straight out. And here's the, here's the thing. If you'll walk in abundance, think about this. If you'll just obey God's laws, 
and walk in abundance and wisdom. Well, how do you walk in abundance? You obey his laws, the law of seed time and harvest. You cannot, let me just say this. If you're, if you're married couple listening to me or you're married, you can't negotiate the tithe. If you think you can, good luck. But if you're not a tither, you'll be a beggar. If you're not a tither, you'll be a beggar. And put it in the comments section. If I'm not a tither, I'll always be a beggar. It's people that rob God and think they're going to live blessed. You can't rob God and be blessed. If I'm not a tither, I'll always be a beggar. You can't negotiate the tithe. So you got to let that be baseline foundational in your marriage. We are tithers. And I don't care. There was a time Carolyn and I were coming out of debt. Like we had, we had credit card debt over our head at the early part of our beginning of our marriage. And we said to ourselves, I don't care that we're in debt. We are going to always, and I mean always, no matter how much we're coming out, we will always be tithers. And number two, we will always be generous givers. Now think about this because you say to yourself, well, I am in debt. The responsible thing to do would be to pay off that debt ASAP. What if the Lord tells you to sow a generous seed? Are you going to say, well, no, Lord, actually we're getting out of debt right now. Actually, we're in the place where we're paying off credit cards. So we're going to just pause obeying your voice. Think about that. We're going to pause obeying your voice. No, we're not going to pause obeying his voice. If he says give, we're given. And can I tell you what's powerful about that? God allowed us to so swiftly come out of debt and we never stopped tithing and never stopped sowing large seeds as he led us. And so what was the story there? We obeyed the Lord first. And if you put God first, he'll put you first. Put that in the comments as well. If I'll put God first, he'll put me first. And, and making sure that was you know, it, it, all, it all leads to unity when it comes to having a good marriage. You know, unity has to be the umbrella here. But when it comes to unity, then trust is then established because we are on the same page with this that we don't have to now constantly ask each other, you know, can, can we give this? Can we do that? We're, we're in such unity on it that our trust is, I trust you, the things that you feel to do and say or say, hey, listen, you know, I want to plan for this in our life for our kids. So we're going to start doing this. I trust it so much, you know, you that I'm just now like, okay. And the same for you. Every time I want to give money to somebody or do something, it's, I don't have to be like, do you really feel like we should do this? Well, it's like we were Sunday. We went out to, to lunch after church and we saw some other folks from the church there that were uh, eating. And I said to Carolyn, I was like, talk to the waitress and pick up their tab. And she said, I already was about to do that. Like you already had it in your spirit. Yeah. And I you're said, like, I'm I, waiting on her. I'm already going to do that. Yeah. She already had it in her spirit. I felt to do it. I said, pick up their lunch. And she said, I already felt to, I was just going to get a card from you to give to the waitress, to their waitress. So like even those little things, blessing people in small ways, there's a unity in our spirit to where like, she was already planning it in her mind. I felt to do it in my spirit. And, and, I mean, just, it happens that quickly. If you put God first, he'll put you first. You are meant to be a blessing on the earth. And if you'll, here's the deal. If you'll walk in two things, wisdom and obedience. And I mean, using wisdom, meaning, I mean, all obedience is wisdom, right? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So all obedience to the word is wisdom. But I mean, not just that kind of wisdom, but also natural wisdom. 
If I'll walk in obedience to the word and natural wisdom, I'll walk in abundance. And if I walk in abundance, there'll always be more than enough, always be more than enough. I'll never be without. I will run over. I will overflow and everything will be, everything will come out of the abundance. Everything that I do, you'll never scrape the bottom of the barrel. You'll always be operating in the overflow. That's God's desire. Operate in the overflow. And that's what God wants for your marriage. It's what he wants for your relationship, that you're not stressing out just in the same way. He doesn't want you stressing out over physical ailments. He doesn't want you stressing out over finances. Real quick, someone wrote, I tithe, things are tight, but believe God, never stop tithing. But what brings your increase, Norman, is your offering. Right. Tithing does not so bring increase. tithing doesn't bring in the increase. That keeps the curse off of our it life. It sets us in position. And you have to think of it as this. Once I really like separated this in my mind, it's, it's a game changer for your giving is don't even think as we use the word give so much that it, it you know, when you say giving, you think you're doing something extra. I'm doing something extra for somebody. But when you, um, I'm going to say give, hand in <laughs> your tithe. You pay your tithes. You, you pay, you pay your them. Tithe you is, don't give them. Is you are just giving God back what's already his. Okay. It's not extra. Right. It, it's his. So in order for you not to be considered someone who's robbing, robbing God, God. A, you know, you're stealing from him, you're giving the tithe. So when you get money and that 10% of that, of whatever you're getting, just look at it as I'm, I'm returning it. it to God. It was never mine. It, it, it's owed to him. That's it. What brings in the increase, your harvest is the offering. Anything right. above your tithe is what's going to bring in the extra into your life. Absolutely. So when you understand that separation of tithe and offering, right. not or offering, then we realize that that's really what brings in the harvest. I pay my tithes. I give my offerings. That's, that's how we need to separate in our mind. I pay my tithes. I give my offerings. Do you know... One way that I look at it is this, <clears throat> when you pay your tithes, it is always a test of your heart. That's what God looks at it. It's always a test of your heart. I believe this. I would rather live on a blessed 90% than to live on a cursed 100% without question. I would rather live on a blessed 90% than a cursed 100%. I pay my tithes, but I give my offerings. God will test your heart. If he can't trust you to tithe on 50,000 a year, you will not tithe on 500,000 a year. Just trust me on that. If you're not faithful over the little, he'll never make you ruler over much. I pay my tithes and I give my offerings. When people say that I put myself in the offering plate, uh, I don't know what that means other than like, I'm the offering unto God. It, it, there's more than that. Scripture doesn't teach you putting yourself in the offering plate, although you are doing things in obedience to God, volunteering at church, giving your time, but it never uh, takes the place of sowing financial seeds as Paul taught and as Christ taught, the apostles understood and the churches did. That is the plan. Even in the Old Testament, what did Malachi the prophet say from God to the people? You have robbed me in tithes and in offerings. Well, how do you, let me ask you a question. If an offering is a free will act, how do you rob God in an offering? I'll tell you how. 
when he speaks to you an instruction and you do something else. If he tells you to give $1,000 and you give $500, you just robbed him $500. Because God speaks. Like we were saying, the Holy Spirit will instruct us what to do, what to give. And you have to understand that if God is leading me and guiding me by his Holy Spirit, I have to obey the instruction of the shepherd. And the Bible says, what you sow, you will reap. So you can't just sow one thing. There's lots of things we can sow. We can sow our time, our gifting, you know, that we have, sow money. So if you only sow your gifting for something, then that's what you're going to get back. But if, and you sow no money, you're never going to get money back. You can't sow something else. And expecting get, for yeah, something Yeah, you can't else. like plant an, an apple tree and think you're going to get a blueberry bush. Right. That, it doesn't work that way. No. Nope. So anything you want a return on in your life, which everybody should want a return. It's silly when people are like, oh, no, 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 no. Everybody should be giving something to get something. Right. It's instruction by the word of God. We do it naturally with our breath. Yep. We, we give a breath and hopes that we get another one because we don't want to die. We're not ready to die right now. Right. So it's, if you, there's something you want, if you need finances in your life, you need to look back over and make sure you're sowing above your tithe yeah. finances to receive finances back in your well, life. Well, let me, let me make a, a point here because I, I often make this point. Pastor Joel Toller in the UK makes this point in the comments, which I totally agree with. He said, God knows the faith that it takes to give an offering. And if it takes no faith, God gets nothing. Remember this always without faith, it is impossible to please God. Romans 14, 23, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. So when we instruct people to give, that's why it takes introspection and it takes you listening to the Holy ghost. Because if you want to continue to be blessed and level up, then you're going to have to continue to increase as God levels you up. I use this analogy all the time. When I was a little boy going to children's church, my mother would give me a $1 bill. And I was all proud that I could go in there with paper money and not change like other kids. And I would sew that $1 bill in children's church. And I felt, and I was, you know, when you're seven years old, six years old, that's, you feel like that's a lot. But now if I walked into church with a $1 bill, proudly walking down to the altar and sewing that thing, there's a problem. Because $1 doesn't mean the same to me now that it did when I was six or seven years old. And so as you level up, your seeds have to level up. It's all in the ratio of what you have and what you release. Everything you give to God has to take faith to give. It has to take faith. If it doesn't take faith, it's displeasing. So remember this, as you're tithing, which takes faith to say, you know what? I'm going to release 10% of my income to the Lord. I'm going to release 10% every month of my annual income. But on top of that, I'm going to sow seed that the Lord speaks to me to sow. That faith right there gets God's attention and provokes his power in your life. Without question. Without question, it does. Um, Number three is addiction. The third thing that destroys um, marriage is addictions. We've seen this. We've seen this. Addictions, addicted to drugs, Lawenda mentioned it earlier, addicted to pornography, addicted to alcohol, nicotine, whatever it is, addictions destroy marriages. Addictions destroy marriages. There are people 
I was listening to this yesterday. I, I crossed, many of you may know who uh, John Bevere is. I'm sure you may know who John Bevere is. He's a preacher, teacher. He was Benny Hinn's youth pastor for years. And um, he and his wife, Lisa, minister. And he has a new course out, an online course. Uh, I believe it's called Porn Free is the name of the, of the course. But one of the things, he was giving statistics. And he was saying that even in the church, there are a huge percentage of Christian men and women that are watching porn on a regular basis. And then he said this, admittedly, the percentage tells us 50% of pastors, 50% of pastors are admittedly watching it regular basis. So obviously it's a problem in the body of Christ, but it's an addiction that will destroy marriages without question. It will same with drugs, same with alcohol. You can't be an alcoholic and think you're going to be a good father, a good mother, a good husband, or a good wife. It's not going to work. If you're drunk all the time or hung over all the time, come home angry and drunk. You know what I mean? It's going to destroy you. The, the bottom line is this, these things have a hold on your life. They control your life. Anything. Now this is going to be harsh, but I want you to write it in the comments. You need to understand it. Anything that controls you is a God unto you or over you. Anything that controls you is a God to you. I want you to write that in the comments. Anything that controls me is a God to me. And God said, I'll have no other gods before me. I want to be the one that leads you and guides you and directs your path. Not alcohol, not drugs, not porn, not nicotine. I want to be the one who guides and leads you. So if not, it's a God unto you. It's your, it's your, literally, it becomes your leader because what happens? You can't live without it, right? It's like, it drives you. Don't tell me, people are like, I can quit smoking anytime I want. Then how come in the middle of the winter, you are forced when it's 22 degrees outside at your job to go outside freezing cold and have your couple cigarettes a day? Why is it that if you, if it, well, it doesn't control me, I could stop anytime I want to. And you are literally forced to go outside in the freezing cold and stand out there with the snow and the ice and freeze through your cigarette. It controls you. It controls you. And so anything that controls you is a God to you. It's idolatry. It's what it is. I'll not be controlled by anything else but the voice of the Holy Ghost. Food. There's food addiction. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Not a slave to anything. So there are things, and I think in this context, they're talking about sexual sin. Sexual sin. Well, but also. But it goes on about food. It goes about food because remember, remember in this context, there were people at that time, you had Jewish believers and you had Gentile believers. And Jewish believers were, some of them were still really battling with the thought, I can't eat, uh, you know, certain types of food that are not um, approved by the Mosaic law. And so literally um, you had Gentile believers that didn't, didn't believe any of that. You know, they could eat pork. They ate pork all the time. They weren't worried about it, but they said, here's the deal is that, um, you know, don't make your brother stumble. If he feels it's wrong, don't violate his personal convictions. You see what I mean? 
So you have that, but also remember this, there are certain things that are sin no matter what. It's not like we say, you know, with porn, like, well, I'll do it in moderation. You know, I'm not going to let it control me. No, it's a sin no matter how much you do it. Well, I am going to, you know, do drugs and get high and destroy the temple, but I'm not going to do it all the time. I'll, you know, it's just every, no, it's still a sin if you do it. We're not talking about moderation in those things, but what about food? You have to eat food to live. But as we spoke about yesterday, we know one of the things that's happening in America is that food and the way people are eating it is killing them. Type 2 diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, heart disease, strokes, cancers, all these things that are being caused by what we eat because people won't use wisdom. Well, what's happened? Yes, I I can do those. I should be eating food, but when it becomes a God to you, when it controls you, when you can't control yourself, when you, it's like I was watching, do you remember that show? What was it called? Uh, It was called like, the half ton man or the thousand pound man. Or you remember that Yeah. the dudes like laid up in the bed, can't even walk. And then here's the deal. He lost a bunch of weight. He lost like 500 pounds. And then he says on the thing, <laughs> seriously, lost 500 pounds. And he could walk alive. again. He was, he could walk again. He was out of the bed and all that. But you know what he said? And this Jeez. is the, this is the mindset That's that blows a long me away time to lose 10 pounds. Can you imagine? Here's what he said. He said, you know what happened? Cause he, he fell back into it and, and gained all the weight back. And this is what he said. He said, you know, the thing that, that sparked it for me when I was coming back with all the weight, he said, I stopped at a hot dog stand and he goes, I went to order a hot dog. Ugh. The worst and, thing to even and he says, to. what in the world? That's what no, this is what he said. I know, but he goes, dogs? you can't eat a hot dog without eating 10 or 11. No, that's, I, that's what he I said. I can't even eat one. You, the six, he said, you can't eat a hot dog without eating 10 or 11. And you can't eat a hot dog without having a few Cokes. And you can't eat a hot dog without having a few bu- buckets of fries. Bondage. So it's like, you know, dude, the whole, like, okay, you can have a hot dog every once in a while. But like, dude, you don't eat 11 in a sitting. I'm no longer slave to hot dogs. dogs. It's like, dude, you you can have pizza. You don't sit down and eat two full pizzas by yourself. And then that sounds like common sense, but people are slaves to food. It's getting convicting right at home here. I'm just. I could eat a good. Stretch your hands toward me, Carolyn, right now. This is becoming a, oh, it's hitting home right now. It's hitting home. I'm the guy that's gone to Gino's Steaks in Philly and eaten three steaks in a sitting. I like the steaks. Really? I like, oh yeah. I like the whiz. I like the onions. Steaks, whiz, and onions and that beautiful bread from Amoroso's Bakery. I love it. But you can't let it control you. I've done that before passing through Philly. I'm not doing it every day. Good Lord. (laughs) shouldn't even do it once. Shouldn't do it once. It's true. My wife is right. But look at that. Wilson T said, all you can eat. He's never going to go back somewhere. So he's got to get it all in at once. And I, I, I let him know that, listen, we are in this for the long run. You know, Wilson said something I've never thought about before. All you can eat is a lie from the devil. That's actually, think about that. I knew that that place was from the devil. What's the all you can eat that's really- Golden Corral. Golden Corral. I knew it. I knew it. Gross. Wilson, that's actually a very interesting thought because yeah, it'll never be just one pepperoni roll for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love the Lord. And I, I, but Country Club Bakery, 
Jeremiah, if you're still on, help me out. You got Tiffany hungry. She just help me out. Tiffany just got a snack. Look she at did. that. We're talking food. <laughs> She's back there. Snack. What Not are you eating? Sharing. She's back there eating something, macadamia nuts or something. <laughs> I'm sitting up here starving. She's back there snacking. With her sliced cheese oh, board. She's, little mini She's cheese board. She's got a whole charcuterie board in the back producing. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It's the it's the pepperoni rolls. It's hitting home. It's hitting so close to home right now. But the, but the truth is, you can't let things control you. Addiction becomes a destroyer. You're addicted to alcohol. Alcoholics. Sadly, we know somebody that their pastor had to work with them, all these other things, and the wife just the husband was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, on fire. Thank you. Thank you, Zach and Jerry. Can't eat just one bag of Country Club pepperoni rolls. It's like manna from heaven. It is. Listen to me. If you're watching right now oh my gosh. and you've never been to Fairmont, West Virginia to get a Country Club bakery pepperoni roll, you are missing out on life. It is like so manna from more, heaven. Babe. But but we knew, we knew a, a relationship. <laughs> they had children. Sad. They had children. He's saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, serving at the church faithfully. And his wife addicted to heroin, addict, all these things and would not get off, would not get off, would not get off, destroying the family. The children are having to see her, the mother go through all of this and it's destroying the whole marriage, destroying the whole thing. And it really, it brought it to an end. It brought it to an end because she would not be delivered. She would not be set free. And what happens? It ends the relationship. Now those children have to watch their mother live her life that way because she would not be free. Deliverance belongs to us in Jesus name. In fact, what a trap from the enemy. When I think about it, that like that mom was not strong enough to get off of it for her kids. It's sad. That's very sad. It's heartbreaking to watch. We were, we were going over one of these verses yesterday. Remember first Corinthians 10, where the Bible talks about that there is um, no temptation. I got to go back and look, look for the uh, actual verse reference. But there is no temptation, according to scripture, that is too much. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You can't ever say, well, I couldn't help myself. The temptation was too great. The Bible says that's a lie. The Bible says there's no temptation that will come to you that will be greater than you can handle. And God will always provide a way of escape. Always, always. And so we can never, we can never act like, well, it was just too much. It was just too much for me. I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle it. Addiction will destroy your life and your marriage and you have to be free. The only one that should be controlling and governing your life is the Holy Ghost. That's the only one. The only substance that should direct my path is the Holy Ghost. What what do you do? If alcohol controls your life, how do you even uh, obey the instruction from Peter to be sober and vigilant in all times? How can you be sober and vigilant if you're not sober? 
I mean, it sounds basic, but nothing can control your life but the Holy Ghost. So addictions, number three, it destroys you. Stressful situations, number four, stressful life, stressful situations. We made up in our mind, our home's going to be a home of peace. (laughs) The thought of chaos drives me nuts. Talk about it. I rather would be under... The pressures of, I don't know, painting and drilling and attaching things in my house than having a moment of unrest. When you have learned to live in the peace of God, it says in Colossians 3.15, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. It says the peace that comes from Christ over in John 14, 27. It says that peace is a gift from the Lord. Come on. So the world can't take it because they didn't give it. That's right. So if you're not having peace in your marriage, peace in your relationships with friends, peace in your life with your children, you have rejected a gift that was freely given to you and it needs to be brought back in. We have to realize that... I mean, like, you know how I am when it comes even around people that are just like a worked up mentality. Like it throws me off because (laughs) we strive so much to live in peace. We pray for it in our home. We always we when we anointed our home with oil and even this office, we said the peace of God is going to reside here. Anyone who walks through the front door is going to feel like like a weight lifted off their shoulders. We've had workers yeah. in our house that have come to me at a note. They just said, I look forward to coming to work at your house. Like, I don't even know these people. They're like, I look forward to coming to work at your house. They're like, your kids? I've had many people. Now, listen, my kids are kids and they chase each other and they have Nerf gunfights and they're loud. They're very, very loud. They've taken after... <laughs> My children are very loud, but hey, listen, where there's loud, there's life and I'm happy with it. But, you know, and so that people understand the difference of it. They understand the difference of loud having a good time and laughter and chasing each other and, you know, play fighting versus fighting, fighting and at each other's throats and snippy and a bad tone that people that even come to our house, I don't even know, are like, your kids are really good and it's amazing how this and when I come here it's just they've even used the word peace and it's yeah. not even probably a word yeah. that they use this guy on a that regular comes in looks basis. like a total reprobate he's yeah. like man I like working in your house your house is so peaceful yeah that's because we've said it that way by giving it unto the Lord saying Lord this is your property anyway you gave it to us we're in covenant with you it's yours the boundary lines around our property will be filled inside with the things of God. We've had people come over weeping and crying, want, wanting to have counseling. They come into our house, fall asleep on the couch. They were like distraught. Well, what happened? You just walked into the peace of God that yeah. passes all understanding. John put up a great verse from the New Testament. Let the peace of God rule your hearts by faith. Let the peace of God rule. So it rule, if it rules you, then everything else is subservient to the rule of God's peace. Depression has to go. Anxiety has to go. Suicidal thoughts have to go. All that fear has to go. And peace rules my heart and it rules my home. So many times when we have this unrest and all these issues, we, we tend to go outside of the word of God 
and listened individuals rather than standing True. on the principles of the word of God. Yep. We'd rather go and, you know, I'll know so many people that may have an issue in their marriage and it's things that can be worked out. It's stuff maybe that's like let, let on for a long time. So of course, you know, nasty roots get grown and yeah. they need to be cut. But they're... And, the, the answers are in front of them and they'll so badly have to go search for something else outside of thinking that this can't can't heal you. It's, you know, I, I have to find a therapist. I have to find this. I have to talk to my friend. We've got to go for coffee. We've got to do this. But it's important that we take, you know, we stood before God. We stood before the Lord at an altar and said, Yes, I'll treat my husband this way. Yes, I'll treat my wife this way. You know, it's not to be taken lightly for better or for worse. And right. then that's just like the marriage vows. And it said, you're standing before the Lord God Almighty on that day, promising to the Lord, you're going to have a marriage based this way. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we, you know, I'll, <clears throat> I'll say this about healing and the things God did on the cross for us, you know, people will say, and I'm sure you all have heard it, other people say is, Jesus came off the cross, leave the things that he died for up on the cross. Don't take it down. I'm not going to have anxiety. I'm not going to have disease. I'm not going to have sickness. I'm not going to have poverty. You know, because that's what he died for for us. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to take it. But same for marriage. We stood before the Lord God Almighty and said, I promise to live this way to each other. Mm -hmm. Don't leave Jesus back on the marriage day at the altar. Right. He needs to be residing in your home, in your life, together, in your marriage, how you raise your kids if you have kids. He needs to be involved as much as possible. We tend to go and try to find other avenues on how to create and cultivate peace and joy and realizing we have it all along. He gave it to us. Let's utilize the gift that was given to us a long time ago. Let me say this last one on, on number four is watch how you talk to each other. Your words create atmospheres. And so you can create your own stressful atmosphere in your home when you speak to each other in certain ways. You don't walk in the fruit of the spirit and literally you can create your own stress. It's not even from an external force. It's just how you're talking to each other, create stress in your own home. Walk in love, be say kind. say that to, um, I would believe my oldest daughter who's listening right now. I say that to her all the time. It's how you talk to people. You may not be upset, but it's your tone. It's your tone. Right? I think I use the word tone a lot in my house. <laughs> She's peeking at me from behind the screens. Because it, it, I always tell her, it's how you answer somebody. It's how you say something to somebody. You may not actually be mad, but if you answer snippy, it causes, right. it causes that feeling. Your tone is everything yeah. when answering somebody and speaking to somebody, no matter who you're speaking to, whether it be your boss, your parents, you know, your teacher, your tone is everything because your tone sets the atmosphere that's surrounded around you. No question. Let me, let's give you five and six before we pray today. Number five, the fifth thing that will destroy you is what they called in the article incompatibility. But what does the Bible say? Really what's happening is you're unequally yoked. This is one of the things we see so often is that people don't think it's a big deal. Well, you know, he's not saved, but he's a good guy. 
She's not saved, but you know, she's a great, I think she's a woman. The problem is the Bible instructs us, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I'll go even further than that when it's talking about for someone that's saved and not saved. I would say this, you want to have an issue. And they actually mentioned it, which was funny to me. They mentioned it in the article. They said, you know, somebody that's a Jew marries somebody that's a Catholic. Well, you're going to have some family problems. You're going to have some personal problems. If one person's a practicing Jew, another person's a practicing Roman Catholic, you got problems. You've got problems. And so incompatibility, unequally yoked. I say it this way. If I'm a Pentecostal, why would I marry a Southern Baptist? Not that we don't love them as our brothers and sisters, but if you've got someone who believes that speaking in tongues is demon possession or that that's not for today, healing's not for today, miracle signs and wonders aren't for today, and we're Pentecostal believers that believe in all of that for today, you're going to have some serious tension and stress in the home. I'm incompatible. Well, he doesn't believe that. He doesn't even want to go to the church I go to, and we go to different churches. Now you got division. Now you got different Salvation words coming from different enough. pastors. No, salvation's not enough. Don't. People think that though. They do. Literally stop at salvation. Are you a Christian? Or are you going to heaven? Great. So am I. Or okay, how about let's this? Put this do you believe in God? Together. Yeah, I believe in God. Okay, we both believe in God. Let's get married. It's like, okay, well, one's a Jew that believes in God, one's a Roman Catholic that believes in God, one's a Pentecostal, one's a Baptist. You know, it, it does matter. It does matter. It does matter. I mean, I can't stress enough. It does Which matter. Which leads back to unity. Yeah. Say someone gets sick. What one do you want? You want a husband healing? that doesn't believe in healing? One, one believe, you know, so now we've got a husband who doesn't. And the husband's what? The head of the home. And the wife's so battling now, sickness. So now we're issuing head of the home, you know, authority. All these different things come into play. And, and then we got faith, no faith, you know, the belief, unbelief in the house. It causes chaos. That's right. Complete Absolutely. Chaos. You've got to watch this incompatibility issue. It is the devil will use any foothold he can get, literally any foothold he can get to destroy your relationship with your spouse. Anything he can find to destroy you, he'll use. If it's that what, or we're both Christians, yeah, but he's Pentecostal and he's Southern Baptist. He'll use that supernatural aspect to drive a wedge between you so quick. Might be, well, he, you know, he's a Jew, I'm a Catholic. He will use that, uh, that, that belief system of, you know, the New Testament is not for today. You know, obviously Jews don't receive the New Testament as God's word, all that. You're believing a heretical thing. And then the fights break out. You know, Jesus is not the Messiah. You're, you're crazy. You know, all these things, you starts breaking out. The devil will use anything he can get his hands on. So incompatibility issues, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't be a fool and marry somebody that's not a Christian. Don't yeah. be a fool and marry somebody that believes the opposite of what and, you believe. And don't think it's a little deal because it can be fixed because then you don't have kids yet. And then when you have kids, How it's a whole other ball game. You're, because are, when you don't have them, everyone seems to have their guard down. Like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. But for something happens and then you have kids and each person gets all of a sudden super strong on what they believe in their state. Oh yeah. Well, and here's the question. Because the families right get there. involved. Because then, okay, so what are your kids going to, are your kids going to be raised Jewish? Are they going to be raised in the Jewish faith? Are they going to go to temple? Are they going to go to Hebrew school? Well, I mean, what are they going to, or are they going to be Roman Catholics? They're going to go to Catholic church. Are they going to go, you know what I mean? If you're both practicing, 
what are you going to do with your kids? You're not going to say, well, let's raise them in both. Because well, then you can't. They're incompatible thoughts. A, Jude, a, a Jewish family, it, thought process-wise in religion, is not compatible with a Roman Catholic family. Just not. They believe opposite things about Jesus, opposite things about the Bible, opposite things about life. How are you going to raise those kids now? Because you know what's going to happen on the Jewish side is the Jewish family is going to say, these kids need to be raised in, in Judaism. They need to be raised in a Hebrew school. They need to be going to temple. The, the, the Catholic family is going to say, no, no, my kids, they need to be going to these, these grandkids. They need to be going to mass. They need to be ma- making sure they're part of the Roman Catholic church, all that stuff. It's going to be problems yeah. in your family and stress because of incompatibility. It'll destroy a marriage. Finally, let us give you this. The last thing that they mention is in or irreconcilable differences, irreconcilable differences. Here's a problem. It's a real problem. Number six, irreconcilable differences. If you're both saved and you're saying irreconcilable differences, you have a problem as Christians, because you know what that means? It means one of two things, but one or both of you are unequal or or, or unwilling to walk in love or one or both of you are, are unwilling to be humble. That's all it means. Well, we've got irreconcilable differences. Well, how is that possible when you're both Christians and are supposed to forgive anything, walk in love in any situation? How is that possible? It's like the easiest cop-out. Oh, yeah, I we mean, just like have the differences. the easiest one used. It's like for the first four years, we were so madly in love. Yeah. And preferred each other above, you know, ourselves and this and that. And then one thing takes you off and then it's all like, we we, we just, this just is how it's going to be. But here's the question. We're going to be friends, but we have irreconcilable. I can't even say the word. But but here's the, here's the thing though. (laughs) They might be real problems. You know, I'll never use it if we split up because I can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you know what I mean? We're not denying that there are, there are real problems. We're not saying it's made up. They are real problems. But the Bible says to make a room for other people's faults. Faults. Absolutely. So when when someone will come to me and have an issue over someone's personality or they just won't do this for me or, you know, d- different things like that. The Bible says make room, allow room for their faults because <laughs> We're not perfect and we have to work on our spiritual walk every day and we have to work on our own flesh, putting that aside. Yeah. And so you have to allow, you know, room for that you know, and to people, forgive and to, uh, you know, not that you over, I mean, you overlook it, but also while you're overlooking, you're praying for, for them and you're praying for the Holy Spirit to work on yourself. It's true. Well, people write us all the time and say, man, you guys have such a great marriage. It looks so wonderful. But I'll tell you. Carolyn makes a lot of mistakes and I, I have to forgive and stand in a place of making room for those. No, Maddie <laughs> peeked over the street. And I was like, really? Um, no, but let, let, let me finish with this because this Lynn put this Lynn Lake and put this in the comments and she's right. And I think this would be one of the best places we could end on these is first Corinthians 13 where Paul talks about love, mm-hmm. but he doesn't just talk about it. He defines what it does. And what it looks like to walk in love. Because you can say, well, I'm walking in love. But, you know, you're not. Because you're not doing the things love does. And so let's read it quickly because it's not a long chapter. Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains and I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Verse four, love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. Come back to both of us. If you would, I got to talk about this. How many couples do you know that they have issues? Cause they both are <laughs> always insisting on their own way. Well, I don't want that. Well, what do you want? That's not what I want. I've never wanted that insisting on their own way. We've seen it. It's common. Come back to just me. Um, <laughs> I thought you, I thought you were going to put something in there. Um, it, why, it's why? not, you're doing such a good job. It's not irritable. For it. <laughs> it's not irritable or resentful. I defer to you, Thank dear you. husband. You don't insist on your own way. No, oh, I'm insisting goodness. on you. You're walking in love. You just do your it thing. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. <laughs> Rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, prophesy in part, but when, it come, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I became a man. I gave up childish ways. For now we seem, see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know in part, and I'll know fully, even as I've been known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. And these three, but the greatest of these is love. So catch this right here. I love this because when he defines it, it's patient, it's kind, doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Doesn't insist on its own way. So here's the, here's the deal that we know to be true. If there's an issue between a husband and wife, where so we got irreconcilable differences. Well, now you're both insisting on your own way. No question. You're both insisting on your own way. That means there's no humility involved. There's no humility. There's no love. You're not walking in love because the thing, the thing is this, I'm looking at the greatest outcome. I want this marriage to flourish. I want it to flourish. But I can't have it flourish if I refuse to walk in humility and to walk in love. It's not going to keep an account of its wrongs, right? I'm not keeping it. And we've talked, we've talked about that, right? You got to learn to let things you, people go. hold on to it. And then three years later, they bring it back up again. Well, do you remember when you did this? <laughs> it's like, I can't even remember what I said yesterday, let alone three years ago. But people will hold it up in their heart. Love, if you truly love somebody, you won't hold and keep in an account the wrongs that have been done to and you. And if Ted you ever says that to you, he truly means it. I do. I can't remember what I said <laughs> yesterday. But <laughs> here's, here's the real thing. It's true. It's yeah. really, really true that we understand you can't do that and expect your marriage to flourish. If you truly forgive, you've got to let it go. Think about That's this. The number one hardest thing. For sure. I think the perfect example for us is, is Christ and God. If you look at the, what, what they did, I was a sinner. She was a sinner. But when we got redeemed, he actually removed our sins from our life. He didn't just forgive them. He removed them. And then what does the Bible say he did with them? Threw them into the sea of forgetfulness right. 
to be remembered no more. God doesn't remember your sins. He has purposely and supernaturally forgotten them. Because that's what the spiritual aspect does. That's if right. We could become more spiritual. True love does that. We would be more forgetful right. of those things. Because we, we would he definitely do that. Them. If we're going to be like God in we're Christ. We're so hard on ourselves because he doesn't remember them. It's us that has to learn to let it go. Yeah. I don't just forgive you of it. I'm not holding, I don't even, I don't even think about it. I'm not even going to remember it anymore. I'm not going to even remember it anymore. And the reason we do this is because so many Christians. And when you say it, ladies, make it, it true. Mean it. Mean it. When well, you say it to your husband, make it true. I forgive you. Do really not forgive him. Bring it up again. That's right. Because that's what I said yesterday. When we end something, it's done. We literally put a period at the end of it. It's done. We're not going to bring it up again because then you're a liar. Right. And we don't want to be liars. No. So when you end it and you forgive and you say, let's move on, really mean it. Like That's you right. said, don't house it, end it, get rid of it. Um, we do, we did this because, you know, we see so many marriages struggling so in the church. I'm talking about so many marriages struggling, so many marriages failing. We've taken time. I mean, like today, but we've taken time, you know, in the, in broadcast past to teach on this you know, and make sure that people understand that how vital this is. We did a whole series on this. We did a whole series. Uh, it's not available just on CD. It's actually also available on digital download card, uh, USB. I don't know if you have that, Tiffany, do you have that graphic? Uh, how to have a fail proof marriage. Love that lasts is the name of the series we did. And I believe it's like five hours of teaching how to create a fail proof marriage. Love that lasts five CDs, I think. And also we have it on a digital download USB card that you can just plug into your computer or plug into your car. This is available at shop.miracleword.com. If you'd like to get this uh, teaching, literally like five we straight hours. We a lot of questions on this. Yeah, I think we did a Q&A session on also. The, yeah, on one of the days we did Q&A. And that, you know, that's important because, you know, one of, if God's the one who instituted marriage, you hear that a lot today with all the stuff that's going on with same-sex marriage and all that. God instituted marriage. It's something he created. He joined together. He doesn't want it destroyed. And so I want to take a moment at the end of this broadcast to pray for marriages, to pray for you and your home, your spouse, your children, and believe that even if you're struggling right now, you know, whatever it might be, even if you're struggling, doesn't matter what it is, we're believing God that you will see healing. So I want you to join with us in faith. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for instituting marriage. It is a supernatural thing. It's a thing that you created to give strength to us and to bring unity to us. And we thank you, Lord, that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Yeah. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would supernaturally heal marriages today by the power of the Holy Ghost supernaturally restore relationships today by the power of the Holy Ghost. No matter what the devil has thrown at them, I pray that just in the same way you can heal cancer, the same way that you can heal diabetes, the same way you can heal heart disease, whatever it may be, 
heal the marriages as well. Lord, let them be full of love and peace and joy. Let their homes be full of love, peace, and joy. Let the children see what it's like to grow up in a home that's void of strife, that's void of hatred, that's void of vitriol. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch every husband, make him loving and humble. Touch every wife, make them loving and humble. Let the husbands lead the homes in perfect uh, guidance by the Holy Spirit and in strength. Let the wives uh, submit, as the Bible says, to that love and bring unity in the home in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for touching your people. Lord, if it's sickness and disease that's brought stress to a home today, I pray that you'd heal every sick person that's watching or listening in the mighty name of Jesus. Set them free by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it. We give you glory for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, those of you that are watching, um, I think we can, we can do that, um, Tiff, for the month of uh, September. We have on the list the new book that we're going to offer by Do- Bishop Rick Thomas, Speak to the Void. But I think we could add to that list, Love That Lasts, as a choice for the month of September. So what we do is this. For those of you that are partnering with us at $85 or more uh, each month, we want to bless you with a gift. This month, Bishop Rick Thomas has been so kind that he has made us available this book, Speak to the Void, and has signed these copies for you guys. And uh, this is obviously something you can choose when you go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And if you already have this book, there's other choices on there as well. We're going to add that for September. Uh, Since we taught on that today, we're going to add that series, uh, Love That Lasts, and we'll make a choice for the CD set, and we'll make a choice for the USB card as well. So that if you would like to choose that for your monthly gift, you can. And we want to encourage you to sow a seed today and stand with us in partnership. You know, one of the things that we are really, really believing God for is to see this generation completely touched and changed by the Holy Ghost before Jesus comes. So we're doing everything we can. We're not only touching uh, our generation through preaching and teaching and revival meetings and also through all digital outlets that we're using podcasts and the radio and the broadcasts every day. But also on top of that, we're going to be going live on television coming up very soon in three continents of the world, uh, 80 million plus homes is stage one. And so you're standing with us and God's going to do it. We're believing for increase in every area. We're going to see souls saved like never before, people delivered, people healed like never before. Uh, it's going to be supernatural. And I'm thanking God for that. And so you're standing with us as we feed the hungry, as we touch the world. You play a massive role in seeing this ministry touch the world. And so whatever the Lord tells you to do, go to miracleword.com today, click on the give page. You can create an account and monthly you can sow a seed automatically. You can even adjust that through your account, frequency, amount, whatever you want to do. If you're in the U.S., Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or if you're on Facebook or Twitter, you can use uh, hashtag donate in the comments section. And we want to say thank you because we've prayed for you and asked God to join you with us. And I thank God for the Victory Tribe, man. I very much do. So that's what we want to do for, for September is the book by Bishop Rick Thomas, Speak to the Void. And now we're going to make this available for love that lasts um, on the USB card or on the CD set 
for you guys and, and get it out to you. Make sure you fill out the form so that we know where to send what you are uh, wanting. We need to know the address. We need to know where to send it because we love you. If you're sewing a larger amount, $1,000 or more, we're going to do that as well as my brand new book, Further Faster, baby. It's out. I'm so thankful it's out. We've never done this before, but this is a hardcover uh, with a paperback or a, what we call a uh, dust jacket on top. I've always wanted to release uh, a hardcover book. We did a limited edition for those that are partnering with us, as well as the Life Application Study Bible. And one of the things I'm going to be working on very soon, now that my other studio's finished, is doing audiobooks for the books we've released and uh, putting those on audible.com. They'll be on iTunes and everything so that any of the books that we've done uh, are available in audiobook. We've had a lot of people ask for that, and I do want to get it out. It's one of my favorite things to listen to when I'm walking or working is uh, audiobooks, but it's awesome. We love you guys so very much. I love you. Very much. That was just an arm. You just saw an arm come in. <laughs> you can switch back to us. We want to say goodbye. We love you guys so very much. I'm wondering if we oh, should. Oh, don't forget. Oh, yeah. It's September 2nd. That's right. Get your, your kids. Miracle Word kids involved in our brand new mission yes. on prayer, talking to your Heavenly Father. Each week, uh, where there is a paper for them to print out and participate in, yep. we're getting them to learn how to pray. We've got prayer points for them so they can you know, attach that to their prayer and then go from there. And so we also have um, list of, of things we're thanking God for, for the month of September. Yeah. So get your kids involved. It's absolutely free. Go to MiracleWordKids.com. It's all free. And get your mission today. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. We'll be back again in the morning, 1030 a.m. Have a powerful day. We love you. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.